You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. I'm actually uh, broadcasting from Toronto this week. And, and John, you're back in Port Coquitlam. That's right. We've got a great show for you. We're all about uh, the world of apps and mobile uh, technology. Uh, on today's show, you might have been seeing this in the news, uh, how Flight Radar 24 is helping people track celebrity private jet flights. Uh, you know, Taylor Swift has had to respond to some critics uh, they're tracking people like Elon Musk, Nancy Pelosi, um, and other celebrities like Mark Cuban has found a way to get off the list. We'll talk about that. We'll also be uh, chatting about Winamp. Do you remember Winamp, John? I sure do. It was a very popular music player for MP3s back in the day, and it's uh, making a comeback. And uh, remember all those anti-piracy ads? Well, apparently they made people pirate more. We'll, we'll get into the meat of that as well. Let's get into some of the uh, the mobile and app news, uh, John. This was interesting. Uh, Samsung and iFixit now offer self-repair parts and tools for Galaxy devices. You think this is a good thing? Yeah, it's always a good thing. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, maybe it's not quite as good as you would think or the average person would think. Uh, what Samsung has done is they've basically taken uh, some of the key replaceable parts that you would need to fix your older Samsung device. This isn't for the current generation of Samsung devices. It's just for one generation and a few older ones. Um, so you can get things like a new display. You can get a back glass replacement. You can re get a replaceable um, USB port. So, I mean, a lot of people damage those ports with cables and stuff like that, or it gets knocked and, and twisted and stuff like that. But, this is still not quite for the faint of heart. If you are not very technical, you're probably not going to be the target audience for these parts. And the pricing of them is not that much different than what you'd pay to go to a, a, a technician to do this work yourself. Well, that's my question, John. Like, you're basically taking apart, you know, a thousand to a two thousand dollar phone, depending what model you're getting. You know what I mean? Like how much memory. And do you want to monkey around with that? Like, unless you really know what you're doing. Well, yeah, I, I think there there's an element, and there's a certain group of people that they're fine with that. I'm fine with that, especially on an older device. I want to revitalize it and maybe learn something about the process at the time. But, you know, some of these um, display kits, they start at about 200 US and, and they go up depending on the model. And so, you know, that's about 250 bucks. And I think most people can get a screen replaced for less than that, not using official parts, presumably. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that is interesting I, I think this has come about because of the fact that, at least in the U.S., there's a right to repair mandate, and companies have to start letting people fix their own devices. The biggest problem has always been original equipment manufacturer parts, OEM parts, as they're called, um, haven't been available to the general public to do that themselves. So typically, when you see something on Amazon or, or in an electronics store, it's a third-party copy of that particular uh, part. So I think it's a good thing. This is something Apple started doing a little while ago as well. Um, but Apple's process is much more involved. Um, they have very specialized tools that you can actually rent from Apple to do some of these repairs. So again, definitely not for the average consumer. Well, we'll have to uh, follow up on that story and see how well people do with that. Uh, Uber. 
Uber receipts are crashing Microsoft Outlook. <laughs> What's going on, man? Oh, another reason to not use Outlook. Yeah, but that's... I'm a Windows guy, right? That's all I got. Yeah, I know yeah. there's lots of other ones out there, but, you know, I'm just kind of stuck on it. You know what I hate about Outlook, John? I hate that there's not a universal inbox on the Windows version, but there is on the Mac version. Like, Interesting. Why? Why? I don't know. Anyway, because yeah, you have, if you have any, if you have more than one email address, then you need to have that. Yeah. So I, I kind of booted on, I'm on my Toronto trip here. I brought my MacBook with me and uh, I haven't used a MacBook for a while. I've been using Windows and yeah, the universal inbox is just like a, a godsend. I, yeah. Anyway, so Uber receipts, uh, apparently they are crashing Outlook when they come in. Yeah, there's a uh, a bug in uh, the way they formatted those receipts, and uh, for whatever reason, Outlook does not like them. Uh, <laughs> any anytime you open a message with a complex table, potentially including Uber receipts, uh, it can cause a problem. It also crashes Word as well. That's interesting. So I mean, it it completely freezes Outlook. Um, any yeah. any word on a fix? Well, the the patch should be out by August 9th, apparently, according to Microsoft. <laughs> so you want to keep your Outlook update up, updated. Let's move over to TikTok, uh, one of the most popular video apps uh, as far as growth uh, right now. They're working on a music service. Kind of makes sense with that many users. Well, yeah, I think they're just trying to capitalize on all the eyeballs that are there already. And so having a trademark uh, established for TikTok music, um, and, you know, it's one of the biggest platforms as far as people making videos that use uh, copyrighted music. And the nice thing about it, as a consumer, you can use just about any song you can imagine in your TikTok video. And TikTok's paying so for that it, though, right? Yeah, they're probably paying a blanket fee and then i would imagine the artist gets streaming credits as well kind of like what they would do on spotify but i think this is basically gives you the ability as a user outside of the tiktok app to have a streaming service that allows you to download and play songs albums playlists etc but it, it's a crowded space already don't you think john i mean there's apple music there's spotify there's deezer i mean there's probably a dozen other ones that i can't even remember right now like streaming music yeah, service, Google's but, in it. But I think there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time in TikTok, myself included, and they have. There's a lot of really interesting mixes and things like that that probably aren't on those other services. Yeah, and um, and it also goes into feed into the whole TikTok meme and and uh, sound bite category as well. Which you know, uh, SiriusXM has the TikTok radio channel. That's all they do is they play popular music from the the streaming videos on tiktok that's crazy but it looks like they're also getting into selling you tickets to shows from ticketmaster yeah so is there going to be now, a tiktok fee on top of the ticketmaster <laughs> fee now jeez <laughs> no you have to watch four cat videos <laughs> before you can get those bruce springsteen tickets is that that's right that's how it goes well, it makes sense. I mean, again, such a large audience uh, and, you know, a lot of these brands and bands and events, they're promoting themselves through TikTok. I mean, perfect to be able to actually just watch that 
Bruce Springsteen promo and then just click to go directly to Ticketmaster. Yeah. I mean, I think they could already do that as an advertised, like a sponsored post. Yeah. But this integration and then basically they've created a mini app with inside to talk to facilitate that ticket sale. I hope it doesn't start polluting the app. Like sometimes these apps get bloated with all these extra things or bundling in. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the backlash will be swift and fast. Like Instagram is feeling right now with all their changes. Yeah. I've been reading about that. Um, I, I don't really use Instagram that much to be honest, John, but a lot of people are upset because they're trying to be more like TikTok. And I think a huge audience there, they, they like the photos and they don't want to be TikTok. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that's the big thing is they're pivoting and, and sort of force feeding you reels, which is their version of TikTok, but they're even duplicating a lot of the functionality in TikTok, uh, on Instagram. And, uh, it's just really interesting how these companies continue to leapfrog each other as far as what the users want versus what their shareholders and what their advertisers want to deliver to those people that are consuming that content. Crazy. Jumping back to Uber, uh, John, um, I had to get a, uh, a ride to the airport, uh, you know, on, on Tuesday when I was flying to Toronto. And so I tried Uber first, but it was like five in the morning. And it just would not connect me with any drivers. Like I live out in White Rock, South Surrey, which is you know south of Vancouver, and I guess it's just there's not enough drivers out there yet. I tried Lyft, and you know how much they quoted me? Three hundred dollars. Like no. So I ended up calling a cab, and it was great. Picked me up relatively on time, and I got to the airport. But John, I'm so used to using Uber now. I just I just walked out of the cab and into the airport and the poor driver's like, excuse me, excuse me, you got to pay. I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. I think you did that once in Vegas when we actually had to take a cab yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you just get conditioned. Like, because when you use Uber, you set up an account and you put your credit card in. So the idea is that, you know, you request the ride, it comes, picks you up, drops you off, and you don't even have to bring out any cash or credit cards. It's already just taking it off your account. Which is great. Yeah, the transaction is done before you even get in the car. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, it was expensive. Like, it was literally double the price of Uber. Yeah. It was close to $100, John. And the Uber, like, well, I think, literally was half, if I could have got one. Yeah. Well, it also might depend on the time of day, too, right? Um, I, I know I've taken a cab from my house to the airport, and it was pretty expensive, but kind of normal for that distance. And then I took an Uber home because they were more readily available yeah. uh, at the end of the trip. Um, and it was probably about 20 or $30 more than what it was to take a cab. Yeah. Wow. But it was just the time of day. Crazy. Okay. We're going to have to take a break now. We have a lot to talk about on the app show today. Uh, talking about Winamp. Remember that, that program? Play all your favorite uh, MP3s, probably the ones you pirated, which leads into our next story after that. A bunch of anti-piracy advertisements uh, were making their rounds a little while back, uh, but apparently they say that it actually made people pirate more. And how Flight Radar 24 helps people track celebrities and politicians and their private flights. 
listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Back in the day when uh, MP3s were becoming very popular, there was a, a very popular little program that I think a lot of people used, and it was called Winamp. And I used it myself all the time, and it was amazing. It, I loved it because it worked so well, but also you could skin it like thousands of different combinations and looks and all these extra plugins you could add to it. It was just so highly customizable. But I guess, you know, with the advent of streaming and, and what have you, it just kind of died away. Was it a program you used a lot, John? I It was, yeah. And and for the, exactly that, that reason, the customization. I love that you can make it look like something from, you know, your favorite sci-fi movie, but it also had a lot of really cool, cool visualizer so when you're playing that music back your computer screen was actually reacting to the music that you're playing and um, we just don't see a lot of that anymore because typically now we want the album art and everything else on the screen if you're using your computer for that or if you're using an apple tv or some other uh, smart tv service so it it died it came back i think it died again and now it's back i think they have released 5.9 coming out Um, yeah I don't know how how many people would actually download this now and use it. Like, because we're just so programmed to do subscriptions now with music, like Spotify or Apple Music. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think there is a, a a core set of people that do still like to own their media, and uh, you know whether it's music or movies, people are still buying Blu-rays and people are still buying CDs. So. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that is probably more of a nostalgia trip than anything else. Are you going to download it? Like, do you even have MP3s anymore? <laughs> so, I somewhere. do. You're going to dust off an well, old hard drive. <laughs> the, the thing is, the thing is, a lot of the music I listen to is from DJs, and you can't just get a DJ set on Spotify or Apple Music. You actually have to download it. Um, either from SoundCloud or some other service that specializes in being a repository for that kind of stuff. So it's kind of cool to have this. Um, but how often will I use it? Hard to say. Usually I just put it on my phone and then it goes out to my smart speakers or my car or wherever else I'm listening to it. So it's not something I, I need to have this intermediary app to relive that nostalgia. But I am kind of curious about, you know, is there still all those themes available for it and all those different uh, skins? Well, it, it won't work on older Windows machines either. It has to be Windows 7, Service Pack 1 or later to run. So if you right. still have an old machine like Windows XP or, or Vista, you were out of luck. And, and if you had those older machines, they're probably the ones that would want to download <laughs> run it, which is the right. ironic but, part. But you probably still have Winamp on those from... From oh, back totally day. right. Totally. Uh, it's it's amazing. But anyway, uh, Winamp. What do, you, what do you use instead of Winamp? Me? Yeah. iTunes? Yeah. Or I v- use VLC sometimes. Yeah. I mean, VLC is a great program because it, um, you know, not only audio, but, you know, all the major video formats as well. I just don't like it because it's always asking me to upgrade, like, every single time I'm... <laughs> Yeah, I'm opening that, but again, it's kind of the um, the granddaddy of media players, really out there. I think. Yeah, it's all about the llama. 
all about the llama. Okay, we uh, still have a lot to talk about on today's uh, program. Uh, we will uh, be getting into software piracy. There was actually a bunch of ads uh, that went out, not just software pir pir piracy, but uh, content piracy, like movies and, and TV shows. Um, there was a bunch of ads that were run to encourage people not to pirate <laughs> content. And uh, it might have had the opposite effect. We'll also be talking about Flight Radar 24. This is a cool app. I use it myself. Um, you can basically load it up on your phone. And using your phone's camera, if there's a plane flying overhead, it will tell you what that flight is, where it's going, what kind of plane. Uh, it's really amazing. But a lot of people are using it to track celebrity and politicians and their, their private jet use. And it's becoming a big issue. So uh, we'll uh, get into the, uh, the meat of that. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. Well, because everything is digital now and has been for some time, it uh, makes it, I guess, easier to steal or pirate. This is everything from songs to movies to TV shows. I don't know if you remember those ads from back in 2004. I think they were actually in front of movies and, you know, DVDs. And it basically opened saying, you wouldn't steal a car. And they, they liken that to, you know, stealing or pirating the movie or TV show you were about to watch. Yeah, it was it was very heavily mocked at the time. Yeah. Um, because me sitting in my house watching a movie I downloaded is not the equivalent financial exposure as stealing a car. And a lot of people made fun of that fact. Well, they, they've done studies now and, you know, especially those on those ads from back in 2004 uh, and basically said it, it did the opposite <laughs> of getting people to not pirate. It, it kind of made people actually pirate more. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's like this reverse psychological effect. Well, they, they say that pirates don't think they're doing anything wrong. Because information technology seems to facilitate the moral disengagement of infringers, and th those people don't perceive themselves as thieves. It's kind of almost like an anonymous crime. Right. And the way they were presenting the crime is like that, you know, by stealing this thing, you're facilitating all these other people to watch that show for free. Yeah. Versus going to the store and buying a copy of that dvd or paying to see it in the theater what have you and i think a lot of people weren't the uh the the main sharers of the content they would you know get it maybe share it with a friend or a family member and that would be the end of it versus some of these bigger groups that were distributing this content so you know to use the drug analogy like they weren't trafficking these pirated goods they were just the end user of that um that particular uh piece of content yeah but it, i don't know it's um i i remember seeing them and thinking you know all i mean definitely a lot of people are involved in the production of a film or or creation of music or whatever the content is and definitely those people that are consuming it from a pirated source probably aren't the ones that we're going to pay for it 
Or in some cases, and we've heard this a lot from people, they were just tired of paying for everything because they bought a lot of content or paid for a lot of content and they weren't sure if they were even going to like it. So they, they downloaded it for free. That's the interesting thing, John. Like you made a, an excellent point there. A lot of the people that did pirate it, uh, that content, they weren't necessarily going to pay for it anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And sometimes, you know, they publish these estimates of losses, you know, oh, the industry lost $4 billion. Did they? <laughs> did they really lose that? I'm, yeah. sure they, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they lost money, but I think those estimates were overstated, factoring in people that, you know, saying people would have paid for that content if they were made to. And a lot of those people just right. wouldn't have watched that or, or listened to that, if that makes sense. Well, and we still see a lot of that even today, despite all the streaming services and the low cost of getting a lot of content, uh, is that, well, I don't want to pay for, you know, HBO Max so I can watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'm going to just pirate it, right? And that's why some of the more popular shows are the most pirated shows. Um, but those people would never have paid for that service in the first place. It's funny. I and I download a lot of stuff, John which I guess would be a form of piracy, but it's kind of not because I actually subscribe to all those services, you know, like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney. I just, I like downloading them because I have like my own software that I just like to watch all my stuff in instead of having to go through all right. the different apps, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, because that, that was the problem that everyone was complaining about back when piracy was taking off was that well, you're not giving me an option to purchase this legally in my country or I have to use some goofy mechanic or an app to get to that stuff. So I'm going to just do it this way myself. And then when streaming services started taking taking hold and doing that, at first it was great because you know there was a couple of services and they had everything. But now every single content production company wants to have their own streaming service so they can make the most money possible from their stuff. And that means that you have to have 15 different apps on your TV to watch you know, your regular weekly shows that you would want to watch. Yeah. That's the one thing I don't like. Like I love, I love all the streaming apps, you know, the video ones, but just having to go into all the different ones. Do you know what I mean? Like remember TV, you had the TV guide on the, <laughs> on the screen and yeah. all the content was listed yeah. there. I mean, that that was good. But now it's just, it, the stuff is all over the place. And I know some software is trying to make it easier. You know, Plex, I use Plex. And that's what they're trying to do. They, they've got like a, a guide. But then it just kind of kicks you out to the app after you click on the show. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you, you have a very different user experience and or you might find content that you don't have a subscription for yeah. that you want to watch. And so, yeah, it... it, it it's a it's a no-win situation for both parties, I think. The consumers are frustrated because they can't find the content quickly and easily. And the production companies are frustrated because they're being pirated. Yeah. I mean, the positive side, though, John, is that we have come a long way. I think they've done really well with music. Uh, you know, being able to access 20 million songs for $10 a month, that's a hell of a deal. Super convenient. Works. Just works. And I, I think they've done a good job with, you know, TV and movie streaming as well. I think it's just... There's got to be some universal standard that they eventually would all have to adhere to so that you could have a guide, like a TV guide, that would have everything in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think the other problem we have 
that we're starting to see a shift is that a lot of the content out there is licensed for very specific regions, very specific streaming services. Like in Canada, we see a lot of stuff that shows up on stuff like Crave, whereas in the US would be on Hulu or HBO or something like that. And having, you know, a lot of these um, agreements expiring and then basically having a level playing field and also having a way of compensating all the artists involved in those um, productions as well. That's always been a problem. So that's why, you know, stuff leaves Netflix because they don't have the rights to have that particular yeah. actor paid anymore through Netflix. So it, it I think it'll sort itself out kind of like music has. Uh, music has, you know, sort of been ahead of the game uh, post um, Napster era. And so they've had a lot of experience in figuring all this out and, I don't know anyone that's not unhappy with their streaming music service. Yeah. Like I said, it just not works. so much. Yeah. Not so much for the, for the TV and movies, yeah. but for exactly the reasons we just described. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back tracking flights and particularly private jet flights, it's uh, been in the news uh, the past few weeks. We'll tell you what app is being used and uh, who they're tracking. Listening to the app show back after this. You are back with the app show, Mike and John here. We're going to talk about flight tracking now. Did you know, John, that over 700,000 people were tracking the flight path of the U.S. military plane that uh, was believed to be carrying House Speaker Nancy Pelosi over to Taiwan? Yeah, I believe that. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of people. Uh, flight Radar 24. I, I, I love this app, John. Uh, you know, I like sitting on my back deck, having a nice cold beer in the summer, and, you know planes fly overhead and I can just point my phone up in the sky through the app and through the camera it'll it'll show me exactly what that plane is the flight number where it's going it's it's almost magical but people are using this it, to track private jet routes as well for celebrities yeah there was a the famous twitter account of somebody that was tracking Elon Musk's private jet and telling him when he was landing when he was leaving that kind of stuff and you know for private celebrities that can be very disconcerting and um there's been a lot of talk lately about someone like taylor swift for example who's got a pretty big carbon footprint because she takes the private jets a lot well and she... then there's also kylie jenner who takes jets for very small amount of time she famous for a seven minute flight instead of driving 20 minutes well, and Drake got called out on this, uh, taking a flight from Toronto down to, I think it was Hamilton, like, again, a seven-minute flight. Uh, I mean, he came yeah. back and said, well, no, I don't always, I'm not always on that plane. Sometimes it's just being repositioned. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, and Taylor Swift got called out on this as well. And she's saying, well, I'm not flying 200 times <laughs> every few months. Like, other people are using the jet as well. But right. it, it's interesting. Like, you talked about the guy that's tracking uh, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk offered to pay the guy five grand to stop. The guy countered with 50,000. <laughs> Didn't he want a Tesla too? I think so. But yeah. it was interesting. I don't know if you read about Mark Cuban. Uh, he was the founder of broadcast.com. He owns the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, he's on Shark Tank. He he actually got a hold of the guy because he was track, being tracked as well and said, hey, let's be friends. Yeah, took him to a Dallas Mavericks game, and now he doesn't track Mark Cuban anymore. Sometimes you just have to ask. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure, but Mr. Cuban's paying a a price for that somehow. 
yeah, box seats forever. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You showed me this app when we were uh, at, a, at a patio gathering a little while ago, and I thought it was really cool because we were basically on the flight path for YVR, and just being able to point up and with augmented reality, you can actually see the planes coming in in real time, which is pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I just love it. So, you know, apparently all these planes, they have um, um, broadcast transponders on them that transmit who they are, where they're going, that kind of thing. So that's what these types of apps are, are essentially tracking. Do you think it's a safety yeah. thing, though, John? Like, for these private jet owners, like, typically they're high-profile politicians and celebrities. Is there a danger in stalking people? Um. I would imagine so, yeah. But the 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 thing is, and, and the point that Drake and Taylor Swift and other people have made is that it's it might be my jet or a jet that I have a ownership piece of. Doesn't mean I'm on that flight. And and we should be clear here: this app tracks the plane, not the people, right? So, um, and a lot of these jets are um, f- uh, for for hire. Like yeah. you can rent them, yeah. you know, if you have enough money. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you've got a private jet. Why not rent it out, make some money? So, I mean, Taylor Swift, she was criticized, like we were talking about. Uh, her jet flew 170 times this year so far and it emitted, oh my God, 8,300 8, tons of carbon, which is about 11, almost 1,200 times more than the average person's total annual emissions. Right. But is she really flying it 170 times? I doubt it. No. But I'm also curious, like there still has to be some work so people can track just sitting on your balcony and tracking a plane that doesn't necessarily tell you whose plane it is you you have to do some research and figure that out and probably they're triangulating where a celebrity is going and stuff like that and or they know the call sign of a jet from a photo that that celebrity has posted perhaps or something like that right so it's it's just really interesting what people have to go through but it's also a it's a slippery slope, I think. Like no one cares about us when we're on a plane, but because we don't have private jets. But you know, what if people are curious about? Well, when's Mike coming back from Toronto? <laughs> I don't think anyone cares except my dogs. Maybe they don't even know I'm but, gone. Yeah, they're living their best life right now, <laughs> barking at all the neighbor dogs, essentially. But anyway, uh, again, the app's called Flight Radar 24. If you haven't tried it, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you just see a jet flying over overhead, and it will tell you exactly where it's going. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, more tech to talk here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Uh, John, we talked, uh, I think, last week about uh, the Oculus or the, the Facebook Meta VR headsets going up in price, and they jumped up a, a lot, actually, in the past week. Yeah, I was actually in my local Walmart on Monday, and I saw that the same setup, the 128-gig Oculus Quest 2, uh, was on the shelf for 529 and I paid 399 for it a few days ago. Well, timing is everything. Uh, so you've had a chance to try it out for a little bit now, and you've had their headsets before, but this is the latest version. What do you think? Um, 
yeah, I, I'm slowly getting used to it. I, I'm starting to really enjoy some of the some of the, the customizations and things like that you can do. There's quite a huge community of people creating stuff for it, as well as developers making games and apps for it. So it's been pretty cool. Uh, a really cool thing that I found, uh, thanks to Robin on our team, uh, something called SideQuestVR.com. You go there and you download a little app for your computer, and it unlocks a whole bunch of other apps and games for your quest that most of them are free a lot of them are just way easier to find than using the oculus app and there's quite a lot of really cool stuff like any kind of emulators you want to do they're all there and they're all free and uh uh, as i was mentioning to you off air i just installed the original game of half-life on my quest and it is fantastic Um, You just basically have to put some files on your headset uh, from the original game disc if you have it, and uh, you get to experience the original game in uh, full VR. The texture quality is not 100%, but there's a way to actually make it into at least high-definition textures, and it's super fun to play. I love that game, John. Like I, I played that for like hours and hours. So is it good in VR? I mean, it's the original game, right? It is, yeah. Well... I don't know if you recall, at the very beginning of the game, you're playing this guy that's going into a research facility at the Black Mesa, and you take a a subway car through this mountain uh, um, installation, if you will. And they warn you that in VR, that subway ride is a little crazy, and I have to agree with them. They've actually added something called comfort mode. So you press a button, and it sort of steps you back about 10 feet in the VR world, so you're not going to be quite as nauseous, but... You know, I've got a pretty strong stomach for VR, and I was a little too close to the edge, to the window of the subway car, so I was just seeing the VR going around like as I was traversing the mountain, and I got a little, like, I got to get out of this. That is crazy, eh? But it's super fun being able to grab, like, a crowbar and then, you know, beat up the head crabs that are familiar uh, <laughs> enemies in the game if you played it. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, again, talking about the um, Facebook's Meta Quest 2 headsets. Uh, that's all the time we have left, John. Uh, I want to thank you, of course, my producer and co-host, and uh, Robin back at the studio. And don't forget to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, this show, the app show, and our sister show, Get Connected. Uh, the podcast links are up there if you want to subscribe. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>